Welcome. The following presentation from Answers in CME is part of an educational activity titled Advancing Outcomes in Surgically Resectable Cutaneous Squamous Cell Carcinoma, Carving New Paths Forward with Immunotherapies. To access the full program and supporting materials, please visit the activity URL in the episode description. This activity is supported by an independent medical education grant from Regeneron Pharmaceuticals Incorporated. Hello, dear colleagues. My name is Axel Hauschild. I'm a professor of dermatology from the University Hospital in Kiel in northern Germany. I'm running the Skin Cancer Center and the Clinical Trial Center. Today, let's talk about why we are considering using immunotherapies earlier in the treatment paradigm for patients with cutaneous squamous cell carcinomas. Let's start by discussing the rationale for neoadjuvant and or adjuvant immunotherapies in CSCC. Choosing the appropriate approach is very difficult because so far the neoadjuvant, the perioperative therapy and the adjuvant treatment is not approved. It's in clinical trials evaluated currently. So in the neoadjuvant setting, the goal is to reduce the necessary scope of primary treatment, to downstage the cancer if possible, and to eradicate distant metastases. Also to assess the response to immunotherapies earlier. Typical patients are patients from stage 2 to stage 4 in clinical trials. In the adjuvant, it's different because these patients need to be disease-free, so we want to eliminate micrometastases following the primary surgical treatment and to initiate surgery sooner. The typical patients are patients with high-risk pathological features with a high risk for either relapse or the risk to die from CSCC. This shows why neoadjuvant treatment could be more efficient than just adjuvant treatment alone. Because in the neoadjuvant scheme, you see that the tumor is remaining while the immunotherapy is applied. This leads to the activation of many different diverse T-cells before the surgeon removes the tumor lesion. And these more and more diverse T-cells search for tumor cells in order to eliminate them after the surgery has been performed. In contrary, the adjuvant setting is a classical scheme where the surgeon removes primarily the tumor lesion. The immunotherapy is given, but there is less activated T-lymphocytes, which can detect remaining tumor cells. So, as we have seen, there is a strong rationale for exploring earlier use of immunotherapy in resectable disease. In the next session, we will review the clinical support for neoadjuvant immunotherapies in CSCC. Now I'm going to review the clinical support for neoadjuvant immunotherapies and the management of resectable CSCC. This slide shows the waterfall plot for the clinical trial, which was done in stage 2 to stage 4 CSCC patient. It's a non-randomized multicenter trial. What you see in the dark green is the pathologically confirmed complete response rate, which was 51%, an amazing result, and the major pathological response, which is defined by less than 10% viral tumor cells, another 13%. This sums up to 64% with a great success in the evaluated lymph nodes or skin metastases from these patients. This table shows the results numerically for the investigator assessment with classical imaging. It's not the same as pathological evaluation of the response. What you see is that there is a high response rate of 68%, but only 6% complete responses, whereas 62% are partial responses. If you compare this to the pathologically complete responses, you see that very many of the partial responses shown here in dark blue 
are indeed pathologically complete responses. The discrepancy is explained by residual tumor masses shown in the imaging, but they turned out to be either fibrosis or scarring, but it's not live tumor cells. So the pathologically complete response rate is by far higher than the response rate detected by conventional imaging. What you see on this slide is an overview of ongoing trials for PD-1-directed neoadjuvant immunotherapies. There's two phase two trials with small size numbers on pembolizumab for high-risk resectable CSCC. There's one interesting trial on nivolumab plus minus ipilimumab on 40 patients in high-risk resectable CSCC and a pilot study phase two in 25 patients with simiplimab. So in CSCC, we have now shown that neoadjuvant immunotherapy is effective. While one is currently available, other immunotherapies are being evaluated. So we are expecting that in the future, we have multiple options available to us. In the next session, we will be discussing the safety profiles of these neoadjuvant immunotherapies. So let's discuss the safety profile of immunotherapy when used as neoadjuvant treatment. This slide shows the safety of neoadjuvant simiplimab, which was used in stage 2 to 4. What you see here is that 13% of the adverse events were considered to be serious, but only 1% of the patient needed to discontinue, which is a very low number. There was five adverse events leading to death, but only one of them was considered as possibly related to the drug simiplimab. In more then 3% or equal than 3% of patients' hyponatremia or confusional state was observed. This shows the toxicity grade and the point when it occurred during treatment. So typically, when you use immune checkpoint inhibitors in general, whether this is a non-melanoma skin cancer or melanoma, you see a skin rash coming first, followed eventually by colitis and other adverse events like endocrinopathy. Typically, the adverse events are observed after quite some time, but sometimes it can also be seen after just one dose of immunotherapy. The timing of toxicity with immunotherapy is explained on this graph as well, and I like to focus your attention to the tail of the curve. What you see is that the rare adverse events like pneumonitis, myocarditis, the rare neurological adverse events are low in numbers, but they can come late. Adverse events can come after very many months of treatment, so there is an issue how long we should give the immunotherapy, particularly if patients have a complete response. The question is if we should treat for longer than the complete response achievement. In summary, Semiplumab in the neoadjuvant seating was very well tolerated with very few patients being at risk for serious adverse event and very low risk for discontinuation. Most of these patients, and I need to say they are elderly patients, are tolerating treatment well. In the next session, I will review what patient factors are important when choosing between the available options. Now let's talk about how I decide when to consider neoadjuvant immunotherapies in my patients with resectable CSCC. The NCCN guideline has an updated recommendation for neoadjuvant treatment, and I personally like the definition very much. The guideline is saying for patients with operable disease, neoadjuvant simiplimab may be considered in patients who are borderline resectable. However, there is no clear definition of borderline resectable, and I'd like to remind you that the clinical trials included patients stage 2 to 4, those with more than 3 centimeter of tumor size in diameter, 
if stage two resectable, that means the primary surgery would be recommended. And an increased risk of recurrence. This slide shows a biomarker analysis of the data which are available. And what you see is that the number of patients with pathologically confirmed complete responses is significantly higher if there was PDL1 expression in at least 1% of the tumor cells. Whereas for the major pathological response patient, there was no difference, but the group was significantly smaller. So the question is if PDL1 can be used as a useful predictive biomarker, and I would say yes, it could be a decision factor, but we have also 20% complete responses and those who are PD ligand 1 negative. Here it shows the tumor mutational burden status and we saw more or less the same picture. Patients with high tumor mutational burden have higher numbers of PCR and there's no differences in the major pathological response patients. The same question is addressed if tumor mutation burden is a useful predictive factor. And I would say the number of patients who have no biomarker signal, which means PDL1 negativity or low tumor mutational burden, is relatively high with 20%. So we cannot talk about these patients as not being candidates for this neoadjuvant treatment. This is the clinical trial scheme again, but you see the part two. The data are not ready to go now because patients after surgery had the option to be treated for the rest of one year with adjuvant semiplimab or adjuvant irradiation or observation alone. And most patients opted for observation alone. So based on the clinical trial experience we currently have, there are specific factors we can consider when deciding whether the patient is appropriate for neoadjuvant immunotherapy. In the future, as more data and options are available, we will continue to evolve our definition of borderline resectability. In the next session, we will focus on other factors that we need to consider when optimizing the use of neoadjuvant immunotherapy in CSCC. So in this final session, we are going to discuss optimizing the use of neoadjuvant immunotherapy in cutaneous squamous cell carcinomas. This is the concerning patient populations, and we always find that patients have underlying diseases, which makes it even more complex for these patients' subpopulations. So firstly is the solid organ transplant patients. There is a higher risk of organ rejection, and therefore only patients with renal transplantation might be candidates because they might go back to dialysis if the organ is rejected. The stem cell transplant patient, there is very limited data, and semiplimab should be used with caution. There is much more data in patients with underlying autoimmune diseases, and particularly those with immunosuppression, to treat these underlying autoimmune diseases, and it always depends on the type of the disease, the severity, and how it is currently being treated. With hematologic malignancies, we have preliminary data suggesting the efficacy of some tumor types, including CLL, and for the CLL patient, it has been shown that the response rate is 50%, although complete responses are rarely observed. So this is tips for patient counseling, regularly test for potential adverse events at every visit, and eventually you need to have uh, phone consultations to describe the clinical profiles of possibly immune-related adverse events and to educate on early signs of immune-related adverse events. Also, we should encourage patients to contact the office at first signs of autoimmune-related adverse events. 
So in our days, we are all talking about shared decision-making, the patient's needs and preferences. It certainly is an issue of education, which is relevant, transparent, and needs to be easy to understand. It's a multidisciplinary team approach, and the discussion of complex patients should only be done by the multidisciplinary tumor board. And then it's trust in healthcare providers, the openness, the timeliness, and the continuity of care. It is a very exciting time when we treat our patients with advanced cutaneous squamous cell carcinomas. I'm very glad that we have a drug available, which is Sinibimab, which can also be used in the neoadjuvant setting. And I hope that one day we have a broad treatment repertoire for these kind of patients. Thank you very much for your attention. Thank you for listening. Please visit the activity URL in the episode description to view all program materials, complete the post-test, and get a certificate.